Now, today, we are filming at our Forsyth Church location, and as you can tell, we're in the middle of the lobby. Now, you might be asking, why did you choose this location for today? I'll be honest with you. It's because it's dry. <laughs> it's because we had a great place picked out. I'm telling you, it was an incredible outdoor location, beautiful scenery. It tied to the message perfectly. And then we had bad weather all week. So we had to adjust. The bad weather caused us to change our plans. Now that's life, isn't it? You've been there, you've had to do that, where you make plans and then something happens that causes you to have to adjust those plans, which is why we should always hold our plans with a very loose grip not just because of the potential for bad weather, but also to allow God to move us, to lead us, to direct us, even to redirect us at times. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, we read this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Man, as a Christian, that should be our approach each and every morning we wake up. To say, God, today I have a lot of things planned, but my life is yours. So what are your plans for me today? That approach, that mindset, that prayer is vital in how we walk through our daily lives. And we're going to see just how important that perspective is in the story we're going to be looking at today out of Acts chapter 8. Last week, and we've been following the early church and how that first church started. We saw that this, this opposition against the church turned, in, turned into a full-on persecution of the church. So now you have all of these Christians that were meeting in Jerusalem. They have now scattered all over the surrounding area to get away from this harsh persecution. Now what's interesting is even though they were running away, that was one of the ways that God changed the plans and used that moment, that scattering of the first church and those early Christians to spread the gospel. Look at this in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Listen to how God's plans were glorified as they moved around. Verse 4, those who had been scattered, that early church, those early Christians, those that had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And as we're going to see Philip, we're going to be introduced to him in just a moment. Philip is one of those that was in Jerusalem, part of the first church, a leader in the early church. And now as he is running away from this harsh persecution, God is going to use him in an incredible way. So let's look at his story. We're going to pick up Philip's story in chapter 8 out of Acts, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now right there, do you see how God changed Philip's direction, gave him a change of plans, redirected him so that Philip and this Ethiopian, that their paths would cross. Now you need to know, Philip and this man, this Ethiopian, could not have been more different. They were two very different people. In fact, they were different in just about every way. Everything from ethnicity to race, religion, vocation, socioeconomic, where they were from, where they lived, their backgrounds, their histories. They were different and had very little in common. But here's what I want you to pay attention to. As God is redirecting Philip to have an intentional conversation with this man. That's what we're going to see next. I want you to pay attention 
to how Philip approaches this man in this conversation he's about to have. Because it has the potential to be a very difficult conversation. So pay attention to Philip's approach to a difficult conversation with a person who is very different from him. Here's what we read next. Verse 29. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Well, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. This next part is important. Remember, we're going to come back to it. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. He was, like, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Now, if you know that, if you're familiar with that passage, we know that's talking about Jesus. But here the Ethiopian is reading it for himself for the first time, not understanding its true meaning and who it was pointing to. So look at what he asked next. Verse 14, the eunuch asked Philip, please tell me who the prophet is talking about, himself or someone else. Then look at the opportunity, verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. This man's life was changed forever. It says, then when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. But, but he went on his way rejoicing. I absolutely love that. Here you have two people that are totally different and they have a potentially difficult conversation, but it was the way, it was the way that Philip approached this conversation that made all the difference in the world. It's a great example on how we can share our faith, how we can share Jesus with other people, but not just in how to share the gospel. Philip's approach in this conversation can be used and applied to any conversation, especially difficult conversations. See, difficult conversations are just part of life. We can't get away from it. We can't ignore it, especially in our world today. We are living in tense times with all the opinions and all the beliefs and all the different viewpoints and perspectives. So it's important that we have difficult conversations, but it's also important in how we approach them, how we approach difficult conversations. It matters. So what we want to do is we want to look at Philip's example, his approach to difficult conversations, and ask ourselves three questions that will help guide us so that our approach in difficult conversations can be mirrored after Philip's. So here's the first question to ask yourself. Why am I having this conversation? That simple question. Why am I even having this conversation? If we were to ask Philip, if we could ask Philip that same question, he would say something like, well, because God told me to. I was following the promptings of God. The Holy, the Holy Spirit led me to this man and to have this conversation, right? He was being obedient as he was following God's direction. Now, let's be honest, you and me for a moment. Some of the conversations we step into are not necessarily God-led, but probably emotionally driven, aren't they? Are 
our conversations that we're stepping into, are they truly us following God or are we just following ourselves and our emotions? Because there are some conversations we have no business stepping into. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So yes, we need to be aware of our motives and why we're even having the conversation. Should we be stepping into this conversation? Should we just walk away? Or do we need to run to it? I love that it says here that Philip ran up to the chariot. There are conversations we should most definitely walk away from, but others we need to run into. Which one is the conversation you're thinking about right now? Is it God-led or is it emotionally driven? See, we have to check our heart and check our motives first. So ask yourself, why am I about to post this on social media? Why am I saying these words? Why am I bringing this up again? Why do I want to have this discussion or this conversation? In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus tells us that we are to honor God with both our lips and our heart. So it's not just the words we speak and the words we say. Our heart condition is a big deal. Is the conversation you're about to step into, is it God honoring? Is God with you in that conversation? Or are you on your own with your own agenda? Honor God with not just what we say, but with our heart. Check your motives. Check your hearts. Why, check your heart. Why am I having this conversation? Second question we need to ask ourselves is, am I approaching this conversation with humility? See, humility is a posture or a position that puts other people ahead of us and in front of us. Another way to think of it is, is this way. Am I caring more about the other person or my point? Humility says I care more about the other person than just my point. Look at how Philip does this. It says he ran up next to the chariot. That's the obedience part we just talked about, his motive and his heart, right? But he got up next to the chariot and look, he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. Notice what he did before he ever spoke a word. Before Philip said anything, what did he do? Did you catch it? He listened. Philip listened. As soon as he got up next to the chariot, he listened. It says that he heard what this man was reading. And then after he heard and after he listened, then he asked a question. Do you understand what you are reading? See, when we refuse to listen or when we forget to listen, we become very quick to make assumptions, quick to pass judgments. We can become quick to attack or quick to get very defensive. When we don't listen, we think we know it all and have all the facts. When we listen, understand that is a posture of humility because it's requiring us to stop and take in the other person's perspective, who they are, where they're coming from, what they are dealing with. That's what Philip was able to do. He approached with humility by listening and then asking a question. Now notice what that led to. It says here in verse 31, notice what happened because of his humble approach. It says he, the Ethiopian, invited Philip to come up and sit with him. That's huge because this man, the Ethiopian, even though they had nothing in common, he invited Philip into his life for this moment, not because of Philip's opinions, not because of Philip's knowledge and wisdom, but because of his humility and willingness to help. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Opinions are easy. 
It's just blurting out whatever you think, whenever you want. Humility requires us to listen and then to ask questions. So first question we ask ourselves, why am I having this conversation? Check your heart, check your motives. Second, am I approaching this conversation with humility? Am I being quick to listen and slow to speak, as James would tell us? Third question, am I using honey or vinegar? Honey or vinegar. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. The whole point of that saying is, of course, we have to pay attention to the words we choose to use, but it's also how we use those words. In other words, not just what we say, but how we say it. It's our tone, isn't it? It's our attitude. Proverbs 16 later on tells us this in verse 24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. It's not just words, right? It's gracious words. It's the type of words and the way that those words are spoken that make a difference. That mattered. See, Philip, when he was listening to the Ethiopian read, when they were having this conversation, and after that conversation was starting to wrap up, it would have been very easy for Philip to look at the Ethiopian and say, well, you're just completely wrong. You have no idea what you're talking about. Your beliefs are wrong. Your religion is wrong. And technically, he would have been right. That would have been true. But he'd be missing the love and the grace part, wouldn't he? Notice what Philip does do. After they begin to have this conversation, it says that then Philip began with the very passage of scripture, and here it is, and told him the good news of Jesus. See, not just the news about Jesus, not just the facts, not just the truth, but the good news of Jesus. As Christians, as believers, we hold the greatest news, the greatest truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But that truth, that news, has to be said and shared and told with love. Ephesians tells us that we are to speak the truth in love. It's not just the facts. It's not just what we say, but it's also how we say it. Speak truth, but in love. The last couple months have been, well, at least in my perspective, two words that describe it would be strange and stressful. Strange and stressful over the last couple months. And because of that, it is very easy for our emotions to get out of control. It's easy to let our emotions drive our conversations and drive the words that we say and, and all that we do. Our emotions can get the best of us. To have healthy and difficult conversations to have a difficult conversation, but with the right approach, it takes a lot of self-control. It takes self-control for me to pause long enough to check my heart and to check my motives. It takes self-control for me to be able to look at the conversation I'm in and ask, is it God-honoring? It takes self-control to approach others in a conversation with humility. It takes a lot of self-control to be quick to listen and slow to speak, doesn't it? It takes self-control to speak truth in love. It takes self-control, a lot of self-control, to have difficult conversations the right way. Now there's one thing that is completely out of our control. There's one thing that is out of your control, out of my control, and will always be out of our control, how other people act and how they respond. So here's what I would tell you. Take care of your heart and trust God with theirs. 
Take care of your own heart and trust God with theirs. All you can do is make sure that your heart is right with God and that your heart is aligned with God. And then how they act and how they respond, what they decide in the condition of their heart, that's completely between them and God. Take care of your heart first. See, Philip, notice what he was not responsible for. Philip was not responsible for changing this man's mind or his beliefs, his heart or his life. He was responsible for having the conversation. And this is important but we, because we see something incredible here. We see this amazing cosmic partnership between God and Philip, the creator and the creation, him and us, where God invites us to be used by him to change people's lives. Notice the progression. God led Philip into this conversation, led him to the Ethiopian. That was God's part in this. Then he handed it off to Philip. It was Philip's job to obey and to listen, to ask questions, to engage in the conversation. That's what Philip's part was. But then he handed it back to God, trusted God with this man's heart, and he was forever changed. This man's life was forever changed because of one truth-filled and grace-filled conversation. In verse 39, how this all ended. After they had the conversation, after the Ethiopian decided to get baptized, it says, then the Ethiopian did not see him again. Somebody he had never met before, somebody he would never see before, but he went on his way rejoicing. His life forever changed. See, I wonder what happened next, and I wish we had more to the story, because I want to know what happened when this Ethiopian man, when he got home. How did he impact his hometown? What conversations did he have with his friends and his family, his neighbors, his co-workers? How many lives were changed because of a conversation that happened? Once again, all because of what goes back to Philip and his conversation. I want to read a quote from Ravi Zacharias. He said this, yes, if truth is not undergirded by love, it makes the possessor of that love, of that truth obnoxious and the truth repulsive. Oh, that's so true, isn't it? How important is it that we speak truth in love, that difficult conversations are important, but the approach and how we have those conversations also matter. The man that said that, Ravi Zacharias, he passed away this last Tuesday. And if you know anything about him, you know that he was a giant in the Christian faith, a humble giant. He was a Christian apologist that traveled the world, literally seeking out to have the most difficult conversations about faith and life. But he lived out what he said. See, he was known, of course, for his faith and his intelligence, but maybe even more so for his approach, for how he spoke truth, for the way that he shared his faith. As Ravi's health declined over the last couple months, people from around the world took to social media using the hashtag, thank you, Ravi. And you can look it up, you can search it today, and you will find thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people posting thank yous to a man that God used to impact 
their lives. Please hear me. Never underestimate what God will do in you, but also through you in the conversations he leads you in. So may our conversations be God-honoring as we approach other people and approach those conversations with humility and speak the truth in love. I want to do something a little bit different as we wrap up. I want to pray for us, but before I pray for us collectively, I want you to have a moment to pray intentionally and personally between you and God. Because this is, this is a big subject, and it pulls out of a lot, a lot of emotions on the conversations that we have with different people and very difficult conversations at times. So I'm going to guide you through three different prayers. I'm going to get you started, and then wherever you're at, I want you to take a moment to make that prayer personal. So... Make this your prayer, one out of three. Here's the first one. Ask God to lead and direct you. Ask God to, to direct your steps, to lead you away from certain conversations, but to lead you towards others. Second prayer. Ask God to keep you humble, to help you be quick to listen and slow to speak, to care more about the other person than just your point. Lastly, ask God to give you the courage to speak truth and the heart to speak it in love. Jesus, we come before you today recognizing the difficulty of what we're talking about. We admit we do not always walk through difficult conversations the right way. Our emotions can get the best of us. We get angry, we get frustrated, we get flustered, we get irritated, we get disappointed. But God, I pray that we would, instead of being emotionally driven in our conversations, that we would allow you to lead us in and out of conversations. That we would first and foremost follow you and your leading and your direction. That the conversations we choose to step into would be God honoring, that our hearts would line up with yours. God, lead us in and out of the conversations as you see fit. But God, help us to approach those conversations with humility. Help us to see people as not just people, not as an adversary, not as somebody different, but as a child of you. We are children of God, so help us to view other people like that. And that causes us to see people differently. Help us to care more about the person than just our point. Keep us humble. God, I pray that we would, again, as we prayed, have the courage to speak the truth, but never forget the love and grace part. That we would constantly remember not just the truth of who you are, the greatest news that we could ever hear, but also hear the love and grace that make that news so great, that make you so good. Use us any way that you see fit. As we started, God, I have a lot of plans set for today but my life is yours. My life is yours. What plans do you have for me today? In Jesus' name.